Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Cool. So uh, we decided to talk about uh, AWS networking today. So um, nice. You know, we've been doing a lot with the transit gateways and uh, really enjoy working with those. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of some but, uh, design yeah, so. principles as well, right? You know, kind of overall design and guidance as well that we um, try to uh, provide some structure around. Um, yeah, it really changes the, the way that we're designing networks. Go ahead, Mike. I was going to just say I'm... I'm relatively new to these. Um, I'm not sure for <laughs> if these are called guilds or if these just more, you know, kind of informal discussion, but I'm new to them. Um, so I'm I'm not sure what what's <laughs> I don't want to say typical, but I'm not sure what, what normally happens. Oh um, yeah. So um yeah. The but, format is like completely, you know, basically sitting around a lunch table. Um doesn't matter, you know, we're just here to chat about stuff. Um throw a topic out there, um, you know, gripe about it, rave about it, whatever you want to do. Um, yep. Yeah. Topics can change as well. So kind of, you know, just the flow of discussion can go wherever we want it. Yeah. Okay. I don't have to stay on topic. Um, I'm excited though to talk about, so I think I was mentioning um, our team or within our, our groups, um, which I'm head of our uh, technology group, which includes development, DevOps, um, you know, sort of more kind of traditional IT and, and, and things of that nature. Um, but of course it includes cloud. And, and so recently we had a situation, um, within AWS that required us to, I think what I'll call and use some advanced networking these days. Um, right. And, and so we found some kind of issues along the way, I think. And um, I don't know that we're totally out of the woods. So it might be interesting to hear some perspectives or some viewpoints, um, but, you know, definitely was beyond just a typical uh, VPC to VPC peering or, you know, uh, things like that. We were looking at going region to region um, with an AWS and then needing to Bolt on and consume some on-premise uh, workloads, which um, was a little bit more complicated than I think. I think we had initially, you know, sort of thought out. Um, and AWS has some great documentation and some great guidance, but it's totally different when you're um, in the weeds and when you're actively looking for and working toward a solution. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's you know kind of an area that we've um had quite a bit of experience with um and i think that that you know coincides with the transit gateway that we were talking about oh, transit gateway really you know that allows for network traffic to flow from one vpc to another uh from a connect a vpn connection to a vpc and uh you're able to actually now um 
have transit gateways across region um yeah, yeah via um via transit transit gateway attachments and uh also cross cross aws account so yeah. i mean like that coupled with uh some sort of vpn solution either like a site to site or um aws is uh um the uh, client VPN or yeah, the client VPN or the site to site VPN, you know, that that would probably allow for you to get um, cross region as well as back to uh, your on prem environment. Yeah, and, and so essentially that's, that's sort of what happened is we, we ended up, you know, putting in some, some, some guidance, general guidance with AWS, um, because we did get stuck and, you know, spoke with someone who said, you know, well, all you need to do is, um, you know, VPC peering across region to region. Um, but of course, the 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 transit gateways required because the routes um, are not trans. I'm not sure exactly how to say that. Transcendental. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we get to resources on site, of course, the routes just sort of go into a black hole and, you know, they don't. They don't actually get there. The traffic doesn't get there, <clears throat> and so um, we ended up establishing a traditional site-to-site -site VPN between um, our AWS region and the the on-premise ASA, um, and that works, right? Um, but I think what we're starting to see now is a little bit more latency than I thought I would see, um, and of course the traffic's not going over the public internet; it's going over AWS's backbone. Um, but we're trying to traverse from Mumbai all the way to North Virginia. Um, and I think I was hoping for something a little bit better. Um, it's definitely usable, but I think we're, um, we're sort of at right now is potentially evaluating the use of direct connect. Um, yeah, that's not, a good point. Yeah, and that's where honestly things are, <laughs> they go from being complicated to, um, a different level of complexity altogether, but, um, you know, I think, I think we saw something that was about 180 milliseconds a round trip, mm -hmm. which, you know, not terrible, but, um, that adds up over time. Um, right. And, and, and so I, I think we're sort of at that fork in the road where we'll do some testing and I think we'll get to a place where, um, either we're going to move this data that's in North, in, in North America to, you know, closer to the edge, um, or we're going to try to improve that, that latency from site to site, maybe direct connect or something like that. Right. The main gotcha with the direct connect is usually the pricing. Um, so, I mean, if that's something that is okay, you know, that, that could certainly be a possibility in that case to to lower that latency well if you're if you have those type of requirements then you're going to have to deal with that pricing right is the yeah. data already in a location that's hooked up to direct connect or are we talking pricing you gotta get it hooked up no. yeah no so th this is a site that has never been let's just say connected to the cloud it's always it's 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 and, I, and when I say cloud, like public cloud, this is our private cloud. Okay. Um, but I think that's true. I think from the pricing that I saw for Direct Connect, and we only required a one gig connection, even that was too much. Um, I think I saw something that, you know, when we were looking for four nines or, you know, um, 
really, really high levels of SLA. I think I saw something that was about $1,000 a month. And then I saw things that, you know, if we were willing to have some, um, you know, less of an SLA, less redundancy, less availability, stuff like that. Um, I think I saw like a four to $600 option a month. And um, I don't really have an issue with that as long as it works. Right. Um, I think, I think for us, the, the goal is not, it's, it's, it's not really a cost discussion at this point. It's more kind of, you know, feasibility and then finding out what performs the best and then taking that back and figuring out how much of a budget realistically do, um, we meet or exceed, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think we quite know that yet. And of course, you know, the performance isn't terrible. Um, 180 milliseconds to me, I was expecting it to be way worse than this, but um, the sort of use case for us is we've got staff that's overseas today. Um, We're looking at putting them in a different place overseas and ultimately being able to access SMB shares on a Windows server um, is really all it is. Right. Um, that data today exists in North America, but it could exist, I guess, potentially anywhere. Um, it is relatively large, right? So that, that's another kind of consideration to um, ingress, egress charges, but also the, the hosting and the data itself. Um, but what type of access do they typically have? Is it mostly reads? Like, I'm wondering if you could like replicate some of this data. Yeah. Um, so, I think we sort of wondered that too. And I think, I think that's a great point. So everyone will probably cringe when I say this, but years ago, and I'm going to say this is closer to like eight or 10 years ago, we used to use Microsoft's distributed file system or DFS. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked for a period of time until we got to having um, not petabytes, but terabytes of data. And then that became a problem. Um, and so I, I think that we had wondered about you know, putting that data, replicating that data. Um, I'm not sure if it's FS, FSX, but Microsoft or um, AWS did offer some kind of a Windows managed solution for, um, you know, file shares and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, I think we had maybe considered or thought about that and or just bringing up an EC2 server that's running Windows to bring the data, not all of it, but bringing a replicated copy closer to the edge. Well, I would probably look at, you know, what the things you're saying are, are speaking loud to um, AWS's storage gateway where you can have it in cache mode. Um, it acts like a SMB share, but um, <clears throat> your data is actually stored in S3 and then you can set it, like you can give it disk space close to your, like um, close to your users and it'll cache heavily used items. Okay, and I'm familiar with that. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I think we're still kind of in a, you know, very, uh, you know, a discovery or kind of exploration phase at this point. But I think that there's a little bit of a desire to have less and less gear on site. Mm-hmm. Um, and so of course the storage gateway, you know, like today we're running ESX. And so there's some gear there for compute and storage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, the cool thing about uh, Storage Gateway is it's just an image and you can run it in, in EC2. So you can technically like, you know, run it. Okay. And your users that you're concerned about, are, you said are in Dubai, but your data is here, right? They're over, um, so Asia Pacific South, but yeah, I mean, the data is here in, in North America. Yeah, so I mean, you could run an EC2 in a, in a region close to them. Um, I mean, just thought, you know, I have that on private network. Um, but again, that kind of like, you yeah. go, it goes to like, it sounds like you're still in discovery phase. So like, what's the access type? Like, is it typically writes bit. or is it a lot of reads or yeah. good heavy mix of both or? Yeah, and I think in a little bit too, this is something I think that we all struggle um, in the industry or in, in our world too is, um, you know, today we've got people that mostly work on site or work out over VPN. Um, and so there's an expectation, I think, of performance and read and write, um, a performance and availability and stuff like that. And so as we move out to a more remote or cloud-based solution, um, there's definitely going to be some latency introduced. It just, I think, you know, comes down to how much is acceptable and how much, how much latency does the end user, does the person who's working with the data, how much can they tolerate where it becomes unproductive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't think that we've completely vetted that out or had that discovery yet, right? It's not local area network access, but maybe something closer to, um, you know, something that's, 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 that's acceptable or within a range. Yeah, that's, yeah, com important component to understand. Um, yeah. A lot of ways to go about implementing the solution for that, but yeah, just figuring out what, what's, you know, what your needs are, I guess, in that case. And I probably should have said too, I, I didn't kind of start out with an introduction, but in our business, um, we're, we're, we're Detroit based or we're, we're based out of Michigan. Um, and we work mostly and very heavily in the automotive field. Um, and a lot of the work that, that, that we're doing or we do um, has to do with the vehicle data itself. And it's a, it's a more complicated kind of explanation. I'm trying to keep it higher level, but um, you know, essentially we've got data that we are either creating or we're pulling in some kind of engineering data, doing some updates, doing something with it and creating a, an output or a deliverable. Um, and so a lot of that data gets consumed out of a Windows uh, repository or SMB share. Um, we use some client tool, whether it's Adobe or some other, you know, some other tooling. Um, and then we, we, we then create a final output, which then gets stored um, in this, the, the same kind of share or the same, the same repository. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think we're unique, but I think a lot of you know, organizations, a little bit has to do with the pandemic and COVID, but um, some of it just has to do with needing to um, scale up some, some of our teams and resources and where we, I think, have historically done that, it's becoming harder, um, or we're we're just having to look for other places. Um, and so I'm trying to remove 
I think some of the, the on-site data, I'm trying to decouple the on-site data repositories that exist in different places today, put those in a central place and sort of streamline how people are accessing um, the data. And just to kind of complete this circle or this thought for a second too is, we're essentially using AWS workspaces to do that. Okay, so that's kind of giving you environments to work out yep. of the cloud. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it works perfect. It's like, because instead of there's security and there's some other, you know, um, inherent issues with having to manage all the, you know, physical endpoints and laptops and all those things. Um, and so for us, you know, creating a Windows 10, Windows 11 environment, publishing the tools um, that a, you know, person or staff would need. And then essentially, you know, providing access to the data is what is what the, the sort of bigger um, lift is right now. And that's where that got us to that region to region, right? So Asia Pacific mm -hmm. to US East, establishing that connectivity um, between BPC and then coming all the way across and accessing the data that's here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, right. I, I kind of um, still agree with Derek in that point. It's like the, the AWS storage gateway, you know, that that is really an EC2 server that acts as like, you know, it gives you that NSF um, file storage, but it's backed by S3 and caching it then in that case is, um, you know, that that would allow for you to access that at a faster rate um, in a different region, wherever that, you know, wherever that EC2 server is ho hosted. If you have it in Mumbai or excuse um, yeah, Mumbai, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. that should effectively allow for your um, users in that region. And are they, are they working out of uh, AWS workspaces in Mumbai? So that's the idea. And yeah. uh, to be honest with you, um, I don't think that we, have completely understood that piece of it either. Um, so that 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 timing that I gave you round trip that we saw of like 180 milliseconds, mm -hmm. that's from us accessing that workspace here from you from the from the United States. And I wondered, and we haven't gotten there yet, but I wonder if the person that's accessing workspaces in Mumbai and then coming across, is that time really about half that? Um, I'm not sure, right? Because we're 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 accessing from the U the US that Asia Pacific workspace, logging into that Windows and then coming all the way across region to region and then um, over the the site to site VPN. And I kind of wonder if maybe it's actually going to be less than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the the site to site between those spots is probably. Well, sorry, I, I might have missed something. Is uh, how are you getting between regions? So region to region, we've got the VPC um, uh, um, established using transit gateways. Okay. Is is it it is transit gateway and it's not just strict VPC peering, right? That's right. We tried okay. the VPC peering, and the problem with that was it it we need the transit gateway because the transient routes. Mm -hmm. are not carried through without the transit gateway right right yeah because you need bgp there yeah uh, I, I wonder you know i've never really looked at the performance between B, uh um uh, transit gateway peering i wonder if you might get if you might be able to pay for for more performance if you go to like uh 
you know, use like AT&T or Verizon backbone um, through like an NPLS uh, uh, by like connecting a, you know, you mentioned um, direct connect. Direct connect. So you would do like a direct connect to like one of those service providers and then um, basically pay them for throughput <laughs> um, yeah. to get to, you know, your other region, which you would direct connect into that region. And yep. then, but man, you know, that's. Yeah. The, the other consideration that I kind of thought about too is we don't use like SD-WAN. We use more of what I call, and this is a little bit, I think I think this goes back a couple of years ago. And then, um, you know, people marketing or sales uh, made this more of an SD-WAN play or an offering, but um, we use that that product from, from Silver Peak for WAN, for WAN optimization or caching. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think to that point though, about thinking about the, you know, storage gateway caching, um, that might actually be enough to, to, uh, to, to absorb some of that. Um, yeah. I'm one, I'm curious about how it, um, you know, I haven't used it in a distributed manner, um, like where you would have like three or four different storage gateways effectively using the same backend storage. I don't know how how it behaves when something needs to be invalidated. Right. I know that if you write if you write to something, it, it'll invalidate. But if you've got like three or four different storage gateways, I'm not sure how they communicate. Oh, they might. I'm just not fully uh, up to speed. Yeah. I would just make sure to, you know, take a look at that before you what one one other kind of possibility too, just just a, a some background on us is remember I mentioned so I mentioned at one time we had used more of the Microsoft distributed file system, and that was kind of um, effective in the beginning when the data sets were smaller and then it became really just unmanageable. Um, and if and if DFS or the distributed file system got out of sync, then things were really kind of catastrophic. Um, and so we put in a tool that's called, um, this was from Talon, I think actually uh, NetApp bought them. Um, and essentially it's like um, a global file lock. And what happens is um, no one is allowed to write to a file if somebody, if somebody has it open for editing. Okay. If, if that makes sense. And I'm trying to remember, there's another company that does this that's that's fairly massive. Um, it's not Nusani. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, Apanzura, I think was the name of the company, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, you know, same kind of idea where there's that global file lock um, and it keeps us from stepping on each other. Um, of course, there's the office that's here in the United States. We've got an office over in China and then one, you know, soon to be over in India. Um, and for the most part, we kind of stay out of each other's way in terms of, you know, people stepping on each other's, um, you know, data and overwriting or, you know, losing changes. Just by race like condition of time zones or what? What's that? Just by like a race condition. Yeah, of time yeah zones. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. exactly. But there are sometimes surprises, though, and this is where we, we brought in that file lock um, is we'll have people working and I think the pandemic sort of 
exposed and created this problem um, is, you know, people were doing things unexpectedly at, you know, times that they hadn't done things before. Um, and so we sort of had the surprise of, I can't use the time zones any longer to separate workloads. Um, and, and so I guess what I'm getting at too, is I wonder if that would um, help us or hurt us. I guess I'm not, I'm not really sure, um, you know, but um, I think, I think the good thing for us too, is I don't need terabytes or, you know, hundreds of terabytes for us to test any of this out. It's like, we just need um, a vehicle and a model year and or a subset of data. And we can do some testing from there. But um, yeah, I mean, appreciate all, all the insights. I, I think, I think for us too, it's like, this is, this is definitely a new area that we haven't done before. Um, and so of course there, there isn't a lot of, um, you know, just, just prior projects that we can, we can go back to. Right. Which is a little bit scary and exciting, but. Yeah, this is, this is a interesting, um, you know, problem. And, you know, if the, I, I love these like performance problems, right? Um, it's just mm -hmm. really gets my, my geek yep. on. Um, so yeah, for, we yep. welcome any, like if you wanna keep bringing like small pieces of this back and, and kind of help to get, get some thought around like each little part as you kind of work through it. We're more than happy to continue spitting okay. on the stuff, you know? I think that'd be really helpful. Um, the other thing too is I'm sure you guys, um, you know, AWS, there's just constant, constant updates and, and, and new offerings and like stuff happens. Um, I'm actually part of the, the AWS uh, community builders group and have been for some time now. Um, there's always a lot of, you know, sort of introductions about things that are changing or whatever. And, um, you know, I think these discussions are always really helpful because by the time that that stuff gets communicated, there's just so much of it. And um, the, the frequency is, is always, um, you know, just like ever changing. So by the time you get to something and then, oh, by the way, you might not have a project that relates to any of this for, you know, some period of time later, um, you may just not know some of these things that could help you. <laughs> oh yeah, tell me about it. My, the, it's crazy. We, when we've got the RSS, like what what's new feed coming yeah. into our Slack, and it's like one of those channels that I just can't. Just, yeah, you can get fifteen new updates a day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody had mentioned within our group, uh, within our 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 um, IT and DevOps groups, you know that that they had heard that there was some kind of accelerator, and I'm aware of that within the VPC itself. Mm -hmm. But this is where it's like we're not talking about accelerating like um, a VPC peering or like or or even you know um, availability zones or like it's it's not like that at all. It's like this is it's it's now I'm needing to accelerate from location or region to region. But oh by the way, we have to carry all this traffic and routing and and all this this data and traffic all the way through to this endpoint. Um, which is still on site. Um, and, you know, so 
whether that works that way or not, I don't think so, but, um, but it's a new offering you're saying too, right? That's some, it's exactly. something exactly. So it's investigated. Like, right. And it might work. And, you know, I think, I think AWS is support, like we've got not enterprise, but business support and it's always been pretty good. Um, but I know when we originally sort of approached and had this problem, they were like, oh, just use VPC to VPC peering. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if the person didn't, even though we explained and kind of, you know, shared some whiteboarding of what the objective and goals were, um, what they offered was mostly right, but it of course didn't work for us to get to the on-premise pieces. And um, I'm not sure what you guys talk about or hear, but I think that's the biggest, and I'm labeling that as like advanced networking, I think these days, but I think that's where there's that sort of like greatest need and it's the most complicated is, you know, trying to hook in some of these hybrid on-premise, you know, scenarios where um, I think, you know, in our organization, we'll have this need for a long, long time. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons why, but there's data and workflow and people and systems and things like that that are on site and will probably be on site for quite a while. Um, but the rest of the world, <laughs> And there's needs to go to the cloud. And so how do we kind of bolt these and connect the plumbing together? Um, you know, and there's lots of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. I think in my experience, it's like, there's really good ways. And then there's not so great ways, um, you know, where we get there, but it doesn't really work that well. And, you know, so kind of understanding the requirements up front and, you know, understanding what's, what's the actual um, successful outcome that, defines us being successful to use it and go forward versus oh we just we just got it connected and it's working like you know yeah you know we had a big project with a, a financial institution that you know obviously they need low latency and stuff like that um and high resiliency uh they were you know focused in the u.s of course but um <clears throat> the pattern that we we established there was like everything <clears throat> It was kind of like a mesh, you know, because BGP kind of just, you know, did the necessary for routing, right? Um, but the idea was like everything would uh, attack, <clears throat> everything, all of their uh, on-prem locations, right, either be uh, offices or um, data centers or whatever, would connect to their MPLS through AT&T. So AT&T kind of worked as a core router and had that backbone with speed and stuff like that. Um, and they, uh, I, I believe we prioritized using that for going across regions and stuff like that. Um, but then we also had like failover via, um, you know, like the, the peering of um, transit gateways and stuff like that. So in okay. case that, and so like AWS could, um, you know, continue to, our, our resources in AWS could continue to, you know, do do what they needed to if, you know, connections to the MPLS were down or vice versa. Um, so, you know, you kind of end up with this massive um, mesh of just connections all over the place. Um, right. uh, you know, and, you know, cost is a factor there. Um, but when you have, when you're, when you're in a situation where you're, you know, the, the cost, uh, the cost of speed is, you know, losing you, losing you um, revenue or profits. It's, you know, 
it's worth it to really do the map and figure out what's what's the right uh, where do we draw the line there, right? And that's right. And and I, th I think for some of these things, like these are, um, I guess I'll say for 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 some of these, you know, we're talking about you know tens of millions of dollars of work, right? So. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're talking about spending a couple thousand dollars or 800 bucks for connectivity. Like I'm, I'm not saying I don't care, but that's one of those where it's the objective is more, how, how do I move forward and establish something that works and performs well? And then maybe we can figure out and dial down the, the cost a little bit and say, you know, I need the low latency, the availability, you know, we can go back to the business and say, you know, it's double the cost for me, of course, to provide four, you know, four nines versus doing three versus doing two, whatever. Um, and that's, that's, that's more of a business decision about, you know, uh, maybe peeling back some of the, the other capability. So it aligns with cost. <laughs> right. Um, but I think for me, this is more exciting for, or, or for us too. We're kind of at this place where it's like, well, let me just figure out how do we actually do this? Like, how, how do I actually get to, I mean, literally from point A to point B to point C. Um, and I think we've mostly got it figured out, but, the, but like, I, I think what I'm saying is, I think what we're seeing is that, you know, going over the AWS backbone is better than if we went over the public internet. But I'm just kind of wondering, I think, um, and not to be redundant, but we're wondering, you know, do we then look at direct connect, to, you know, get the latency a little bit lower or look at, I think what you're suggesting potentially, which is, you know, using EC2 closer to the edge of Mumbai, using storage gateway or, you know, doing something to, you know, cache some of the data there um, and maybe have that be an option. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think, you, I think you're going to be looking at a mix of those two, right? I mean, um, yeah. I don't know if AW, I don't know if peering to transit gateways, I don't believe that uses like a quote AWS backbone, right? I don't, um, I think that is just kind of like a IPsec over um, public internet, if I'm not mistaken. I may be wrong about that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. If you do direct connect to someone, someone like I mentioned, like Verizon or AT&T, which can produce, do things like provide you guaranteed speeds between region between their regions and then direct connect into AWS. I think that's going to be where like you can get a guaranteed throughput um, between your regions so you can get the transfer uh, and then caching to like, you know, um, to only use that when you need it type of thing, you know? Yeah, I the way that it was explained to me from AWS or to, to us is by by using the the uh, 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 the VPC or region to region you know traffic, um, it's almost like using VPC endpoints, right? Where we make calls, but instead of making calls to S3 publicly as an endpoint, we make a call within the VPC. Yeah, so using a private endpoint essentially. So correct. Yeah, correct. it's all within so, within AWS's network. Correct, and and so the way that they had described that or viewed that as the data staying within their network or backbone versus us hopping and routing through um, a whole bunch of different providers. Now, mm -hmm. 
right or not i'm not well sure. i mean i i wonder if that's like it seems like that's an oversimplification maybe yeah right because while it, i mean technically if you're on a vpn it is still in their in, in their network right um but yeah. i i haven't seen anything about like dedicated speeds or anything like that between two two places so mm -hmm. I don't, right I mean, it's it's hard too because we don't actually have an office today that's um, like for all intents and purposes where this would be. What what we do have is we have an office that's over in Shanghai, and we communicate site to site over um, you know VPN, not using MPLS, not using any private circuit, um, and we usually see about 140 milliseconds. It's about 130 to 140. Um, give or take. And that's acceptable. We're not doing anything, um, you know, that, that requires real time. It's not like video. We're not doing voice, you know, anything like that. Um, and, and so I wonder actually, I guess, or, or we wondered um, if, if we went a different route over AWS's backbone to get to Shanghai versus how we're doing it now, would would we see roughly the same sort of latency or performance? And I think so, right? Because uh, especially Shanghai, all roads kind of lead to that master firewall, that great wall that's there, um, right? And so there's 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 not a lot of different entry points to get there. That's a good point. Yeah, but I'm not sure of that. I mean, we didn't. It's it's again one of these things where. Um, you know, whatever, uh, maybe, maybe 15 years ago or, you know, 12 years ago when, you know, organizations and, you know, us included were saying, I need to virtualize everything. Well, we can't do that. We have to use physical servers because the performance isn't going to be good or whatever. Um, and we found that's all not true, but it's just sort of one of these, you know, entry points where you've got to try something and just sort of see what happens and, um, you know, correct if it's, if it's not what it needs to be. So I think I think that's where we're kind of at. Yeah, kind of build a proof of concept to see if the idea works and yeah, uh, kind of evaluate it. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the financials. I mean, for for us, anyways, getting rid of the majority of what's on site, um, you know, today, um, in this, I'll use the China location for for an example. That's a goal too, for sure, because um, I think a lot of the stuff that's there. Um, could be done, whether it's an EC2 or FSX shares. Um, there's different ways, I think, that we can accomplish some of that stuff. Um, it doesn't require us sort of do what we would have done years ago, which is, um, and I'm, when I'm saying years, it's actually further further back than that. It's, it's you know, what we did six to eight years ago um, and doing something a little bit different today. So, yeah. I would, I would be kind of curious, and I know I know we're probably over on time, or are we good on time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we typically keep these at half hour, but if you got something, I'll throw in here. Okay. I was going to say just just as uh, as we sort of talk about the, the networking components, um, and uh, like especially within AWS, and I think this is more just of a comment, and I'm sure you, you guys have seen this or would agree um, to a point is. Um, you know, we get into knackles and we get into security groups and we get into firewalls and 
um, it's it becomes it becomes very easy to overly complicate a solution to. And I think some of us who are more tech savvy than others or you know engineers, mm -hmm. we generally like doing this stuff. <laughs> so it's it's very easy to go down a um, road of just overly complicating. And so I think I think we try to sometimes overly simplify the approach um, because um, there's value sometimes in, in bolting on extra things. But um, for the most part, I think, you know, um, there's no extra credit for us overcomplicating things. Um, if we get from point A to point B to point C and we do it in the simplest way possible, to me, that's a win. Um, you know, and later on, if we want to look at, you know, bolting on additional services or features or stuff like that that benefit us, you know, so be it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with that. I like to try and keep things simple as possible, uh, unless necessary, right? Because, um, yeah. you know, right brains, uh, you know, we're basically consultants. Um, we, our success is when our, our clients are able are have business value. That's all we care about. We, um, is business value to our customers, right? So if we come in and pr provide a solution that's too complicated for them to use in the long run they, it, we might launch something but if they can't if they have to completely re-architect it for their engineers to be able to figure it out that's not a win for us right so exactly. um, keeping things as simple as possible and only making those you know um uh, there's there's that delicate balance right like <clears throat> yep. if we could, if we design something that's extremely complicated on the back end but provides a simple user interface for someone to operate it that's one thing um, but when it comes to maintenance of those things, like how does that work? So there's That's right. definitely a, a balance you got to strike there and yeah. you got to make sure that if you are going to be, you know, doing something that's super complicated and providing that, that, um, user interface, um, or, you know, API layer to interact with it, um, that it's well-documented, um, and maintainable. Does, does it's right brains. Right Brain Networks is uh, a company oh, right brain, okay. Ray, I, Morgan, and Joe work for. So like outside of consulting, and sorry, this is, just, this is probably a little bit of a tangent or a segue, or, you know, um, but- Marketing for us, hey. <laughs> okay, but like, like outside of consulting, um, is there development and, and, and sort of staffing that's offered? Uh, we work in, a, we definitely do implementation. Um, okay. So we work in, and a you know we'll we'll come on board and, and um, help your team. We don't we don't necessarily like staff aug because it, it um, our engineers end up just kind of doing do like becoming part of somebody else's team. Um, yeah. And that's that's not how we like to work. We like to work on projects and make like like I mentioned like business value have yeah. goals that can we can say we've we've leveled up this this. Uh, our partner, you know, our, our the customer that we're working for, um, yeah. in some way um, to provide them something that advances their um, okay. their growth or their um, their sales, their ingenuity, whatever it may be. It makes sense. That's that's how things work. I mean, you know, people want to roll in, roll off of stuff. I mean, keeps it interesting, keeps people engaged. Otherwise, like you said, it becomes like, you know, they they become sort of informally part of the organization and. Um, 
we've well, got that, it's, it's a little bit harder to make a an impact with like one or two like just a couple people yeah. sitting on a team um yeah you know I agree. That, you know they might they might be making an impact but um you know it's a it's a much there's a lot more value when you know yeah. we've got some of our um our team leads in there um working with yeah. pms and, and stuff like that to, to make sure the product is visible yeah sure. big and visible that's perfect perfectly yeah, 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 that makes sense. yeah okay well that's good i mean because because i think for us too that make that makes perfect sense too um you know um i think from the you know sort of complexity standpoint for a second there's implementations or things that i think that we've done um more around the devops pieces and i think some other, some other stuff like that yeah. um where just the level of complexity and some of those things um was too much and it becomes difficult later on not just the maintenance of it but you know to to get the you know funding to um maintain it enhance it update it make changes um you know and sometimes it'll be one of those where it's so complicated that um you know you've got to spend all these cycles sort of decoding and figuring out even if there's good documentation like why is there all these different steps or all these different pieces to this whatever um let's say you know code deploy or pipelines or you know workflow and stuff like that um you know and 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 so if it's simpler it just makes it the next time you know a team has to touch it for some reason um it's a little bit it's a little bit easier. I'm saying easier, but um, it's less complicated. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Again, that kind of goes to that, like, do we over-engineer and make it simple up front or do we keep it simple and, and, you know, people can bolt on stuff as they need to. I think overall, you should always be looking for um, reusability in, the, in anything you write um, mm -hmm. and extendability. Uh, yeah, but, I agree with that. Especially the, the the repurposing, like, hey, we built this, like, we're, like now that we we rebuilt it or we we built something to then reuse somewhere, like, where where else can I apply this? Versus everything's kind of custom for right. some piece of work or some customer or something like that, and none of it's really ever transferable to anything else. Um, which I think we've got a little bit of that going on too. Yeah. You know, um, so, but. I, I am always sort of respectful. Uh, I'm going to call them legacy pieces, but stuff that's legacy, it's like it is serving some purpose. It is doing something that it was intended or put in to do. Right. Um, I'm not being too harsh on the people that put it in because like, well, you know, it is working. Yeah, absolutely. Well, un until it's not. Let's say it was working right. when it was working, right? If you're looking at it, there's probably a reason. <laughs> that's right. That's that's. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously it worked at some point and somebody was, somebody was happy with it. But, you know, it also goes to when uh, attrition, when people leave, you know, anything that goes with them as far as knowledge is kind of a, is really rough. So. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah, Mike, I really appreciate you coming in and bringing, bringing a topic here. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if this has already been discussed, but I think in the future, if there's, um, and I, th I think there's a lot more to kind of talk about this and, um, you know, essentially, you know, if, if there's discussions about, um, 
you know, a consulting needs and, and, and further, you know, discussions on, on, on help and things like that. Um, we only kind of scratched the surface or, you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. Like we're talking about networking in AWS. Um, but I think of course, like there's, there's a lot of other areas for sure. Um, I'm going to use like DevOps, but that's, that's for us. I think in area, um, a lot of things that you just mentioned, um, about, you know, people exiting or best practice, um, reusing, you know, and those sort of, um, strategies and discussions and, you know, things I, I think those are, I'm not sure if there's future topics or if there's already been stuff to talk about, but that would be interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rebuilding talk about and reusing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's a huge one. And I know Derek does a great talk on, you know, an aspect of how that's um, done, such as the environments as cattle, but yeah, kind of building things that can be reused. And I think that'd be a great topic in general uh, for one of mm -hmm. these upcoming weeks. Yep. I agree. And, and not to make this all about AWS, but I think for us, um, we've tried to purposely keep as much as we can natively within AWS. I mean, there's, there's things that don't work well, or we go kind of outside of them. Um, mm -hmm. But where we can leverage, um, I think some of some of the tool set that's native to AWS without um, just going outside of that 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 provider um, because I don't know someone's trying to you know pad a resume or get some skill on some hot new technology or or new way of doing something. Um, I think that'd be really interesting though. Mm -hmm. For sure, and security, of course, too, which which is always near and dear to my heart. To talk about security, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. So you're, uh, you're leading the next one, so you know maybe one of those topics that uh, was just brought up, we you can toss into the mix. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, uh, want to thank you all for coming out. Um, hope uh, hope you enjoyed lunch and. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do this again next week, Tom. Appreciate you as always. So yeah, we'll, uh, I'll hit you up here in a little bit. Uh, Sounds good. All right, cool. Well, thanks everybody. Have a good day. Thank you guys. You too. too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.